Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of A Little of Everything, conversations about life, society, and social change. Today's guest is the one and only J. William Shear the second. That was close. <laughs> the that second. Was close. Today we're going to talk about education, how the education system has changed over the past 20 years. Number of years. Number really. of years. <laughs> uh, Jay, or my father, Both his, me. his experience with the education system, um, students changing, the effect of technology, and just his story in general. So, It's let's, nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Of course, of course. All right, so let's just dive in. You... Okay. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Diving right in. Okay, so, so you taught for a chunk, and then you took a break. And then you taught again. Correct. So how long was the first chunk and what years? Just two years. Okay. 1986 to 1988. And you taught at a private school. Correct. In the Portland metro area. Correct. And then um, why did you leave teaching? <sighs> That's a multifaceted <laughs> question. Um, there are several reasons. Um one of the big ones was that from the time I had decided I wanted to be a teacher, which is a whole other story, uh, which you may or may not want to go into, I, my heart, my desire, my goal was to be in the public school. Um, I, I went through public school my entire life, and it's debatable, but people say I turned out okay. <laughs> Depends um, on the day. <laughs> um, but I just felt like given my, what I felt were my strengths and my talents and my abilities, um, that it would be a better fit in the public school. Mm -hmm. um, I had, um, I did not feel that it was a good fit for me where I was. And uh, after some conversations, um, it was agreed. And uh, we parted parted company. Yeah. Bottom line, and it was uh, it was it was for the best. I mean, yeah, we'll just say it was for the best. Well, good for you for knowing your strengths and weaknesses. Not weaknesses. Well, no, that's part of it too. That's that's, that's part good. Of it too. A lot of people should know more of their weaknesses. I think. <laughs> Again, uh, and a whole other subject. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so you left after two years of teaching at this private school in uh -huh. hopes of entering public school. Right. And what happened then? It uh, was not to be. Okay. Um, we had hiring. just found out that we had, um, well, we had your oldest brother, uh, who was. Um, coming up on two years old at the time he was about one and a half and uh, uh, Jenna my wife your mom was uh, we were expecting our second one and so it was not a good time to be looking for a job yeah. plus the fact that my original endorsement was in social studies um, and at that time there was a glut on the market a social studies teacher they were a dime a dozen yeah and there was no um, unless you knew somebody in the system already to give you a strong recommendation um, there was not a strong chance of finding a position yeah so uh, I 
a friend of a friend said that, that they knew of a company in downtown Portland that was hiring or that was looking to hire somebody part-time and it would be in the evenings and uh, I said that's perfect I have evenings every every night every day <laughs> and so many do <laughs> it's a rumor that's been going around yeah yeah <laughs> um, so it started as a part-time job and worked into a full-time job uh, and it became comfortable and I was earning a decent living did not enjoy it but uh, if the paycheck at the time in my life if the paycheck was enough I could live with not being terribly thrilled or yeah. Yeah. Uh, sense of fulfillment in the job. Yeah, it was easy and it was good pay, and uh, it became very comfortable. And so I was there 16 years. Yeah, um, I did want to keep my finger in the educational field, so I became a uh, a tutor for the school district. Yeah, um, meaning that if students who were removed for either discipline or medical reasons that they for an extended period of time were not able to attend um, school they would send me in to work with them um, which again is a whole other story yeah but I did that as well and it provided a little bit of supplemental income and I felt like I was keeping my finger in the educational field yeah so and you you enjoyed that um, for the most part it's not you know what you really wanted to do no but it was I felt like it was like I said it was keeping my finger in the market and um, you know, even if you love what you do, you don't necessarily love everything about yes. what you do. Yes. Uh, so I didn't love everything about it, but it was, it provided me opportunities to stay informed as to what was going on in the, in the world of education, current theories and philosophies and approaches. Um, you got to flex that muscle. I did. The I did. Muscle. And I got to find out, uh, you know, one of the, the blessings at that time was that I was able to find out that while I enjoyed working with high school students, that was not where I felt um, most energized. Fair enough. Um, yeah. I, I knew that I didn't want to do elementary, um, but it was during that time that I found out that I didn't want to do high school either, which only left one option, which is what I love. So it worked out well. Here we are. <laughs> Here we are. Okay, so after 16 years working downtown for mm -hmm. insurance benefits, that is fair enough. I don't. I'm not sure. We're not. No one really knows what it was, <laughs> but it was something like that. There was a lot of computers. I worked a, yeah with a lot of computers downtown in downtown Portland. <laughs> um, which is a world unto its own. Yes. And uh, right above the Mexican consulate. Right? For the last few years of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah we I started out <laughs> in the old police headquarters. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, which was on 3rd and Oak. It's fascinating. Um, and uh, yeah, they had turned what were the old holding cells uh, down in the basement into storage units. Cozy. So, yeah. So, <laughs> That's um, funny. And there was an old firing range down in the basement. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they moved up to, what was that, 13th and Morrison, um, which is right around the corner, as you said, from the Mexican consulate. Yeah. So. All right. Wow. So yeah. then, after 16 years. After 16 years, um, through a series of events. And the um, reception. 
and the recession, um, I was not happy where I was. Yeah. And uh, I had expressed that to my wife. And uh, again, through series of events, uh, we, I decided to go back into education. And, uh, but again, social studies teachers were not uh, real, well, they were, I started saying not popular. Every school needed a few of them, but every school already had a few of them. And so there wasn't a big market for them. So, side note, why do you think there were so many or still are social studies um, teachers? Well, part of me says I don't know. Part of me says it's easy. Yeah. Um, it also incorporates a lot of different majors in college. True. Um, that's one of the things uh, I did my undergraduate work at Warner Pacific College. Um, I finished my undergraduate work at Warner Pacific College, and let me say that. And um, my junior year, the end of my junior year, my advisor, Dr. Cole Dawson, pulled me into his office and said, you're majoring in history, minoring in education. I said, that's correct. And he said, do you realize that you'll only be able to teach history? None of the other social sciences. And I said, no, I didn't realize that. And so he said, my suggestion would be to switch to social sciences. Um, that incorporates economics, psychology, yeah, all of the social sciences. Um, so that's what I'm getting back to full circle. That's what I was saying is that it incorporates a lot of different majors. Um, and so it is a big drawing factor. So, anyway, uh, I hope that answers that question. Yeah. Going back to, uh, since I couldn't find a position teaching social studies at the time, I, uh, my wife and I spent some time praying about it, and she made the suggestion that we, that I go back and I take um, the, the test to become what they then called highly qualified in math. Okay. Um, <clears throat> which I did, and I went on and for math went on and pursued a true endorsement, meaning I had to do a practicum in a classroom, I had to do a work sample, yeah, um, and uh, still no job. So she suggested, in her wisdom, which I believe is true wisdom, always listen to your wives. <laughs> I have learned the hard way that that's what is I that is what I should do. Yes. Um, did I go back and I try for language arts, which I did, and I was surprised that I was able to pass that one, and then still no positions, so she suggested that I go back and try science, the test for science, which I did, and I was even more surprised that I was able to pass, and so I became highly qualified or endorsed in all four core subjects. Um, which is a miracle. I've so. said it once and I'll say it again. <laughs> For someone who doesn't think he's very smart, you're awfully uh, endorsed in quite a few yeah. <laughs> subjects. Or I'm a good guesser. <laughs> I don't think you're that good. <laughs> anyway, uh, I appreciate... I think that was a compliment. Yes. <laughs> Complisult, okay. as they call it. Um, yeah, so at that time, a point eight three 
full-time position, meaning I taught uh, five of six classes during the day. Uh, opened at a middle school in the area, and uh, so I was hired as a math teacher for one year, and uh, then due to budget cuts for the district, that position was eliminated, and I found myself unemployed again. Um, and then I cleaned up, packed up all my stuff out of my classroom, and took it, put it in the garage. And then in August, I was given, uh, I received a phone call from that same principal saying, asking if she remembered correctly that I could, could teach social studies. And I said, well, yes, yes, I can. And so she said, well, we have an eighth grade social studies position available. Are you interested? And I took that quickly and was there for five years. And then the enrollment of that school shrank to the point where they could no longer support a eighth grade social studies teacher. Um, and so that position was eliminated and I was given the option of becoming unemployed or coming to my current assignment um, where I am now teaching eighth grade science. And so here I am. Which is not what you love. And I went through a, probably a three or four year um, transition. Was I a science teacher or was I a teacher teaching science? Um, someplace along the line, and I don't know where that was, I have started to change and I feel like I am now a science teacher. I have, I have grown to love science, um, true science, not what often is passed as science, um, which again is a whole other broadcast unto itself. Yeah. Um, but the, the, I love to learn and in science there is always, always more stuff to learn. Yeah. So, uh, and even if as you learn things, Things change. New things are discovered. New things are developed. Yeah. New inventions are coming down. And so there's always going to be new things to learn. So. Yeah. I love what I'm doing right now. Yeah. I love where I'm doing it. And I love the people that I get to do it with. Oh. I know. Tender, That's isn't so it? so sweet. <laughs> so if you had to put it in two sentences, what's the biggest difference between the students, I know there's a lot of different facets to teaching mm. as far as faculty, curriculum, mm -hmm. students, school size, public versus private, etc. But the students alone, what's in two sentences, the biggest difference between your first batch of teaching and teaching and now. Currently? Yeah. Um, to a certain extent, it's hard to compare. Um, where I was before was somewhat of a rural school, so you had a whole different clientele of students. Um, but overall, I would say that students today are much more, they have a lot more confidence. Really? They have a, whether it is deserved or not. I was going to say, is it, is it like is founded? A whole other, like. For some, it is. For some, um, 
they have either convinced themselves or that they have been convinced that school is really superfluous. They don't really need it. Um, and part of that, I think, has to do with the ease and the instant gratification of knowledge. Um, I can Google it. Why do I need to know it? Why do you need to teach it to me when I can just look it up if I need it? Um, which, to a certain extent, is a valid argument. Um, there are certain things, though, that, in my opinion, a person needs to know. The way I view it is that Google or Siri or whatever you're using will give you an infinite series of you are here signposts. Yeah, you need to know what or how to ask. Yeah, you need to know how to ask, but you also need to know that will give you a piece of the puzzle. A school education, if it's doing its job, should put the pieces of the puzzle together for you. Mm -hmm. So you see how one thing relates to another. Something that you learned in math class is now usable in science. Something you learned yeah. in social studies, you can apply in language arts. Yeah. Um, if a school is doing its job, that's when those pieces, whether you want to call them cross-curricular cutting concepts. Wow. I know. That's, that's what Those are the buzzwords that we use. <laughs> um, Wait, what was it? Cross-curricular cutting concepts. Cutting concepts. You heard it here first, <laughs> folks. <laughs> um, meaning there are certain things that will reoccur in several different subjects. For example... Um, my classes right now are studying and learning to identify scientific patterns. You see the same thing in math. Look for the pattern. Um, you will see the same thing if you study history. You will see patterns of history repeating itself over and over. Mm -hmm. So a good student and a good set of teachers will be able to call attention to those and there will be common uh, vocabulary such as the word pattern um, that will help put the pieces together for the student yeah um, and so that's why I'm saying Siri or Google can answer a specific question but it doesn't necessarily put it in the context of the bigger picture right so I remember in middle school and high school but especially in college when I would make a connection between two classes or something I was learning in another class mm -hmm. applied or fit in and I would get so excited mm -hmm. and I would like share it with the class and most of the students like couldn't really care less mm -hmm. but the professors I could tell were happy for me mm -hmm. and they were happy too because when you have an education that's rounded mm -hmm. like that then it it helps connect I don't know, it, it, it sets up a pattern in your brain you to connect things in your life, too. That's, that is so true. And then all of a sudden, you'll see other things just in your everyday life yeah. that fit into that, right. that scenario or that pattern. Right. And all of a sudden, things start clicking. Yeah. And as a teacher, and this is somewhat cliche, but that's kind of what makes it all worthwhile for me is when the aha moment the aha moment yes. or the light bulb clicks on yeah and when you see a student that has been struggling and struggling and struggling with so it's the concept and all of a sudden it makes sense and they get it 
and they get a smile on their face and the moment of clarity and the, the fuzziness in their eyes just goes away. Um, there's nothing like it for me. Yeah. So. Yeah. That answers a question that you didn't even ask about no, why I became no. a teacher. But. No, I love it. <laughs> um, so how has technology changed um, the way students interact with each other or with you? Uh, Do you, sorry, I have, that reminded me of another question <laughs> that you should answer first. But we digress. Yes. Okay. Do you believe that screen time has the potential to damage learning style or brain function? I think anything in excess okay. can damage it. Um, I can attest to both in my own life and what I have observed through interactions with students that too much screen time right before they go to bed or they go to sleep, they don't, by their words, in their words, they don't sleep well. Really? It stimulates parts of the, and, and in doing, I kept hearing that repeatedly, repeatedly. So I went and did some reading, and sure enough, it stimulates parts of the brain that keep things, neurons in your brain firing for at least 30 minutes after the screen time shuts off. Wow. Um, so now, having said that, does that mean that I put my screen down earlier? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's interesting you should ask that because we are moving to much more um, screen time in our in our school anyway. Yeah. Um, the district over the this past summer purchased a new science curriculum that we, that is intended to be used 100% online. Um, the district so did that. The district did that. Yes. Okay. So in my classroom, I have a cart, a yes. 35 Chromebook. Um, Goodness gracious. That are expected to be used every day. Right. Wow. So we are getting to that. The challenge is not only for our school, but for many districts that have a cross-section of clientele for students. We have 30% of our students that don't have internet access at home. Yeah. So that presents an interesting dilemma. Can we assign, is it fair to assign homework that is online? Um, the quick answer is, I don't think so. But on the other hand, I don't, I'm not comfortable calling out students that's, that providing printed copies of things saying, if right. you don't have internet at home, come get a printed copy. The rest of you do it online. Would that be considered like classist? Yeah, it is at the very least inequity. Yeah. Um, which I'm not, I'm not comfortable with. Yeah. So we do my class. Um, we don't do a lot of homework. Um, Interesting. Do you, if, 
If the system was different, would you give more homework? You mean the, the technology piece yeah, of it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I gave a lot more homework when I taught math and when I taught social studies than I do now. Hmm. Um, when I began teaching science, I assumed everything would be the same except for the curriculum, which I guess makes sense. Um, <laughs> yeah. But my colleague, the other eighth grade science teacher, her philosophy, which I have come to completely embrace, is that students learn better by doing than by reading or by seeing or by writing. And so we do a lot of labs. Our goal is between two and three a week. If they use their time wisely, they will have time to finish it in class. Mm -hmm. If they choose to use their time other ways, meaning socializing or talking or doing whatever, then they will have need to finish it at home. Um, our school is fortunate in that it can offer an after-school program from 4 o'clock to 5.30, um, where they do have, still have the school's internet access available. They have access to teachers. They have, um, we have an amazing, amazing organization called the Sun Program, mm -hmm. which will give them, feed them supper at no charge, offers them a bus ride home at 525. Wow. Um, so there's, in that sense, there's really not an excuse. Yeah. Um, but I also realized that that students might have a life outside of school. Yeah, I was just thinking, what if they have <laughs> sports? What if... Yeah. And so that kind of leans into, um, yeah, I will give homework maybe once a week. And then it's not as homework. It's because I didn't finish it in class. Yeah, I think that's fair. So, um, the students that don't want to do it at home will tell their friends to leave them alone. And they'll do it in class. I wish I had done that yeah. more. <laughs> and others will say, eh, I'd rather have it at home because then I don't have to. I can just go hide in my room. Which is a sad testimony, in my opinion, to yeah. what their home life might be like. I don't right. want to assume that right. that's what the reason is. Yeah. Um, but um, so it gives them that that option. My only requirement is that if somebody does want to get it done in class, that the others allow them. If they choose yeah. not to, that's fine. But don't keep somebody else from doing right. what they choose. Yeah. So. Um, I've been talking, and I honestly have no idea what your original question was. <laughs> Homework. That's fine. No, you're good. Um, um, you mentioned that maybe some kids not having a great home life. Compared mm. to, I say, your first batch of teaching, from your experience, have you noticed home life? Although that might be hard because your first time was in a private school. Yes. Then it was now in a public school. But right. Um, it's interesting because one of my classes, um, we just today started a little mini unit on stress and stress reduction and st handling stress and realizing that in our world it's not possible to live a stress-free life. Um, some stress is good. Some, well, some stress is good. Some school. and some is unavoidable because, yeah. especially at the middle school level, they're out of so much of their life is out of their control. Right. Um, and uh, so I had them take a stress survey 
and uh, it, it listed several dozen different events in a person's life and um, gave a point value, ran, well, not randomly assigned, but a point value to each event. And uh, I was not prepared for the high scores really? that they are exhibit, that they are enduring. Yeah. Um, so when I look through them, I am just astounded that they sh- can show up every day and function, mm-hmm. and even even still have a sense of humor. It's astounding to yeah. me. So um, that's I think that's part of what's going on is. Um, to be completely honest, I'm not sure that a lot of parents today, um, particularly of the students that I have, well, I hesitate to say this because I don't want to come have it come back and bite me, but a lot of them don't have strong parenting skills. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Um, I think... And, and I don't want to come down too hard on parents because I honestly believe parents are doing, the vast majority of parents are doing the best they can yeah. with what they have. Yeah. You know, as I've said, and we've told you and your sister and brothers, you guys didn't come with manuals on how to raise you. Yes. We did the best we could doing what we thought was right at any given moment. And I have yeah. to believe that is true of parents. I of can all parents. attest to my own parenting that... Yeah, you know, it's it's parenting isn't easy. No, kids are exasperating. Kids will push you to your limits and then beyond. Yeah. Um, and so, but it's by the same token, parents, some parents can push their kids to their limits and beyond. Yeah. Um, so, um, they have. I was, I was, my mind was going several different directions, and uh, then all of a sudden, all those directions all left at <laughs> once. So, well, maybe we'll have to do another episode Fair just enough. on uh, parenting. Fair enough. You know, it's interesting that um, being the young, I am the youngest of five and the only boy, and so dealing with, especially now that this is my sixth year at this school, I'm seeing siblings come through. Yeah, and siblings who even if they didn't have the same last name which some do some don't if they had no physical resemblance to each other which some do some don't um, mannerisms um, habits backgrounds um, I, I think that would be a fascinating area to study is is siblings and their relationship not only to each other but to themselves yeah um so um you know anybody that wants to be a teacher i would encourage them i would also caution them make sure you have the right reason for wanting to be it um we don't there's a couple common misconceptions about teaching that if i may i would like to try to clarify right here 
for an, a career which requires an advanced degree, uh, most, almost all districts, if not all, require a postgraduate degree, um, meaning masters or above. I believe, and I, I could be proven wrong, but it is one of the lowest paying for that type of training. If you, and unfortunately I have, I have had colleagues, I don't currently thank goodness, but I have in the past shared school rooms, or not classrooms, but schools with teachers that honestly, I don't believe they really liked kids. So I'm not sure why they became. Yeah, they're not in it for the money. <laughs> no, and, and if you don't like kids, um, that's like becoming a doctor and saying, I just don't want to be around sick people. Yeah. It um, doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. We don't get, I just this past summer, I ran into somebody and introduced, we got to know them, and they said, well, it must be nice to get paid for work you don't do during the summer. I said, excuse me. <laughs> I said, well, that's not quite accurate. We get paid for nine months of work and they happen to break it into 12 checks. Yeah. So each of the ones that we get during the school year is less than we're actually earning. Yeah. So yeah. Do I love getting 10 weeks off during the summer? Absolutely. But over, I would guess, at least a third of that time, I spend time every day, some amount of time, preparing for new units, new curriculum. Yeah, yeah. Um, as I said, we got all new science curriculum this year um, with all new science subjects for eighth, eighth grade. And so I had to spend time... The, the, I had been teaching chemistry and geology, and they took those and gave them to other grades and gave us astronomy and physics. So those are very different subjects, and that's how I spent a good portion of my summer. Yeah. Sorry, you didn't no, ask, but I just wanted to share that. We are here to listen to what you have to say. <laughs> but unfortunately, we're almost out of time. I Fair wanna, enough. I want to leave on, on this one parting question. All right. What advice do you give to middle schoolers today? Three pieces. One, show up. You know, it's, uh, and to be honest, I don't know to what end it was originally addressed, but 90% of the game is just showing up. Change is made by people who show up. <laughs> Quoted from C.J. Craig, as played by Allison Janney, my hero. Continue. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, secondly... Nobody's expecting perfection, so don't put that kind of pressure on yourself. Third, give it a shot. Hmm. I can't work with students. I can't help students. I can't coach students how to improve their work if they don't give me anything to work with. I tell students I, today, I told somebody, um, 
they didn't want to turn it in because it was going to be late. And I said, something is better than nothing. Yeah. Even if you get it marked down because it's late, turn it in. Show up. Don't expect perfection, especially the first time mm -hmm. or the second time. Mm -hmm. And give it a shot. Try. If you put those three things into practice, I can't speak for every teacher, but you'll be fine in my classes. Yeah. Um, I believe that if a student... I know we're out of time. I just want That's to say right. this. I have this theory... Um, and I'll probably, if any professional educators may, they may take issue with me or they, um, I just hope I don't get in trouble for this, but if I do, yeah. I guess I'll deal with it. I have a theory that people in general love to learn. They absolutely love to learn. You give somebody that is crazy about horses, they can't they can never learn enough about horses. Mm -hmm. You love somebody that um, is loves to, to bake. They can't ever learn too much about baking. Everybody has a passion that they want to know more about, whether it's cars or fashion or whatever. In the past, education, the educational institution, has done a phenomenal job of killing that. Mm. Um, some of it was, I don't believe any of it was ever malicious. Again, education, like parenting, people were doing the best, what they thought was the best at the time. Yeah. Um, but students don't fit into cookie-cold, cookie-cold? <laughs> Cookie-cutter molds um, the way that they have in the past um, is there some common ground that we have to start from yes I think that's probably up through middle school that's and in my opinion that's why it's such a great thing for students in high school to be able to to begin choosing their own career paths yeah um, things such as Cal or ACE when it was yeah. in existence here um, I don't believe that college is for everybody. I believe that you can have a very fulfilling, very successful life without ever darkening the door of a college. Um, you just have to perhaps try more things, work a little harder, um, but there's nothing that says you can't be done. Okay, that's enough of my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for Absolutely. being here talking with me. Um, again, this has been Jay Shearer himself. Live and in person. <laughs> Father, husband, entrepreneur. Grandfather. Grandfather. Entrepreneur? I don't know. I don't Probably. <laughs> uh, educator. True. Hopefully. Well, yes. By profession. That is your name. <laughs> Uh, that's what I do. Hopefully it is true in practice as well. Okay. I'm sure it is. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. This has been A Little of Everything, Conversations of Life, Society, and Social Change, hosted by me, Becca. Until next time. <laughs>